tonight, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning to Revelations chapter 3. Uh, we talked about last night, we're going to kind of do it a little bit different uh, tonight, we, but we talked about last Wednesday night, the church at Ephesus. And uh, as we discussed that, we were asking the question, you know, if he was to write us a letter as a church or as individuals, because we do make up the church, um, what would it say? You know, and it, 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 he didn't go through a list with the church of Ephesus of all these things, bad things that they were doing wrong. It was about them leaving the first love. And he says, you need, you need to go back to how you were. And I think sometimes we do get familiar uh, sometimes with our Christianity, we get into a rut, and we kind of just go through the motions sometimes, and I think that was the, the big issue when it comes to the church's Ephesus. But uh, tonight, we're going to skip a little bit, and we're going to go down to the last one here, church at Laodicea, and the reason I did that is because, to me, these two are a lot alike. Um it's not necessarily bad things. You know, we, we, we tend to think when we, when we drift away from God, it's just about all these bad things that we're doing. But it could be because we're not quite what we think we are, and we've left our first love. We become complacent. We, we just uh, become to where we're just kind of floating through the motions. And sometimes we think we're more than we are. And I think we do that as individuals. Sometimes we think... Uh, and realize and need to realize that things aren't exactly what they seem. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that I think I'm a certain way. And then there's times that my wife kind of sets me straight and lets me know exactly how I am, you know, cuts me back, puts me back down on the level that I need to be. But I think sometimes we do perceive ourselves in a way that maybe we're not. And I think we may do that spiritually too. We may think that we're something that we're not. You know, we talked about uh, Sunday night about how we can deceive ourselves or be deceived by somebody in thinking that we're in a relationship with God that we're not really in because we've not done what He said to do. And I think this that can happen in our Christianity. We can we think that uh, we we may be something and we start trusting in the wrong things. And before we know it, we've created this image in our mind of maybe who we are when maybe we're not really uh, like that. Now in Revelation here, we see as he, he talks to these congregations and the two that uh, basically we're focusing on, Church at Ephesus and the one at Laodicea uh, tonight, uh, it, it's really about, to me, this hits home more because you know, we, we can go through the things, you know, that, okay, uh, this person doing this bad thing or this person doing this bad thing. We don't think of this perception of ourselves as really that, that bad a deal. We don't think that just kind of going through the motions is that bad. We don't think that just uh, being, just coming, listening to a lesson, going home, that that's what Christianity is all about. And to me, studying these two, kind of reminds me that there's much more to it than that. And I hope that's what we can get out of it as we discuss it this evening. But let's read through, and then we'll go back and discuss. Starting at verse 14, it says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says, uh, says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, 
I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now let's look back here at verses 15 and 16 for a moment. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So the problem with the church here was that they were, they were lukewarm. Now, um, I used to study this and read this in a certain way. And then I decided to kind of look back at, because I don't do this very much, and you may do this when you study. I, I don't do this very much. Uh, I need to. But uh, kind of the history of the congregation here, the history of the city, uh, of what was going on. And, and as I did that, it kind of gave me a little more perspective of maybe what Jesus was really talking about here. Because as he, as he begins here, we see that he says that, that you're neither cold nor hot. And what I found that was interesting to me is the actual position of the city uh, uh, of Laodicea here. It, it was actually uh, uh, by one of the three cities, one of Colossae, one of uh, uh, Heropolis, I believe is how you say that. And what was interesting about that was each one of them, the city itself, was known for something. Uh, Heropolis was actually known for its hot springs. Uh, they would come and, you know, people would come just like we have hot springs around certain places today. You know, people would come and soak in it. It would help their arthritis. It would uh, help different things. You know, they just enjoyed, enjoyed the, that, that hot springs with the minerals would actually help uh, what ailed them on a lot of things, you know, as far as muscles and things like that, joints. But then you had on the other end, you had Colossae that was next to a river that was actually known for it, it, its cold and pure water, its refreshing water. But then you had right here, in kind of in the valley there, come down of, uh, with Laodicea, and they actually had to pipe the water in. When it got there, it was kind of full of minerals, and it was lukewarm, and it, it did actually make individuals sick to drink it. So when you think about when it comes to, to water, you know, I, I've read this before, and, and I, I used to look at it, and I may still a little bit, as what Christ was actually saying was, you know, I wish you were hot because you'd be hot for God and you'd be really on fire and you'd be really doing work. Or I wished you were cold and doing absolutely nothing, but at least people would know where you stand. Instead, you're lukewarm, you're right in the middle. But the more I, I thought about and kind of studied, you know, the region around there and things were going on, I, I don't know if I believe that's what he's actually saying now. I think because he says, I wish you were cold or hot. So if we're thinking hot is actually for God and cold is not, why would he wish they were not for God? To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. 
But if you look at it from the aspect, both sides actually bring something to the table. The hot springs would actually bring, you know, some healing things to, to soak in it, make them feel good. And actually cold, refreshing water would do the same. But lukewater is, or lukewarm water is kind of useless, isn't it? I mean, how many times have you been out mowing the yard in the summertime, just get hot and say, boy, I'd love a glass of lukewarm water? I don't believe I've ever, I've ever said that, you know. Or, you know, I, you know, if I'm all hot and sweaty come out, boy, I'd like a good hot shower. Because it's refreshing, isn't it? It, it? it makes you feel. So both of these things are actually good, but when it comes to lukewarm, it's useless. There, there, there's nothing, uh, nothing useful about it. And I believe as he's using an object lesson, just like he does many times of things that are around, these are things they're familiar with. He's basically saying, like the water you drink is making you sick, you're making me sick because that's how you are. Your, your water's lukewarm, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it, 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 it's not fit really for people to drink. I wish you were uh, either cold or hot because at least you would be useful for something. See, I, I think that's where we lose the picture sometimes, or I should say myself. When I think about being a Christian, I think about just don't do these bad things. You know, do, uh, uh, do good, but what about being useful? What about being worth something? You know, Jesus talks about many times about bearing fruit, and then if we're a tree that doesn't bear fruit, what's going to happen to us? Cut down and thrown into the fire. Why? Because we're taking up nutrients of, of the uh, trees that are bearing fruit. Because we're useless. We're, we're useless if we're not bearing the fruit that we need to bear. So if, if this congregation here is lukewarm, what are they actually good for? He says, you make me sick. How would you like Jesus to write you a letter that said that? Oh, by the way, you make me sick. Well, that'd be pretty tough for the Lord to say, wouldn't it? So as we think about this, maybe, maybe think about it tonight on, on that aspect. Am I useful? In what way am I useful in the service of God? Both collectively as a congregation, but I think most importantly as individuals because we're what makes up our congregations, aren't we? But we're what makes up the church. So as an individual, are we effective? It's almost like Jesus saying, you know, if salt has lost its flavor, what do you say about it? It's good for nothing but to be trampled under the foot of men. You know, salt, it either preserves or it flavors food. There's a usefulness of it. But if it loses its usefulness, what's the use in having it? And I think he's saying the same thing here to this congregation and I think if we put ourselves in that same situation, we can look and, and, and ask ourselves, am I useful? Am I effective as a congregation, as a church, as an individual? What, what is my effectiveness? What, what is my place? What is my uh, uh, purpose within the church itself? Do I have a purpose? Am I just kind of, you know, looking at myself and have a perception that, oh, I'm, I'm some great thing. I'm, I'm rich. I'm, I, I, I've got all of these things. And, and then Christ saying, no, you're poor, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're naked. Does he look at me different than I look at myself? Does he see something that I've deceived myself and I'm afraid to look at? And I think that's what's happening here when it comes to uh, uh, this congregation. 
Uh, but notice as he goes through, he, he, he tells them there's a problem. They're, they're, they're not effective. He, he, he tells them you, you, just like water needs to be, to have a purpose, it doesn't need to be just, uh, you know, it needs to be something that's going to help. You know, we need water to live, right? But, I, I, you know, I'd rather have a hot shower. I'd rather have a cold drink of water, lukewarm water. Just, I, I don't have any, any desire for it. It's not something that appeals to me. Do we appeal to the, the world as far as offering them something? If we can't offer them anything, then what's the purpose of them wanting to be a part of it? Would there be anything? If, if we're not any different, if we're not effective, if we're, if we're just here, and I think that's what's happening to this, and we're going to get into that, I think that's what's happening in this congregation that happens to a lot of congregations throughout history is sometimes a, a, a congregation becomes a product of the culture that's around them. Uh, when the culture gets a certain way, sometimes that does creep into congregations. Uh, and, and they bec sometimes become what's around them. And I think that's what the, the situation is here when it comes to the church at Laodicea. And we're going to see this as we, uh, as we go into this. But look in John chapter 4. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the waters that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's the kind of water that Jesus says he offers. I, what I, he says, what I'm offering you is, is more satisfying and, and going to be more benefit than anything that you could ever get. So you put this kind of context as he's talking to the church at Laodicea. Okay, you, you're near where they've got some good water things going on over here. They've got some good water things going over here. You're right in the middle. Your, your water makes everybody sick. But what you should be producing out of here is what Jesus says that he can offer. And that's something greater than anything else that anybody can get. Something that's beneficial. And that's what Jesus came to offer us, wouldn't it? He, he came, I mean, could we have salvation without Him? We couldn't get it on our own. As He said in John chapter 3, the world was condemned already. He didn't come to condemn, He came to save. So He came to offer something that we couldn't do ourselves. So now, what is our purpose as a church to make sure the world sees and knows what He's offering? But if our trust is not in that, our trust is in ourselves and our material things, the physical things that are around us, and we think that we're more than we are, that we're not offering anything else than the world's offering, and at times it's even worse than what the world's offering, what good are we? I, I tell you, this is, uh, when, you, when you think about, can you imagine having a letter like that read to us of him saying those things? Can you imagine the response that would be? I, I can imagine what they're just thinking about. But really what they become, I, I think they probably had a hard time recognizing it to begin with because they've become so comfortable with who they are and, and what they're about and what they're trusting in. Um, and Jesus is showing here that they're really trusting in the wrong thing. But he gives them a, a prescription. He tells them, Okay, here's where you're at, but here's what you can do. Look at verses 17 through 19. He says, Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And I thought this was interesting. When I was uh, uh, kind of studying some different things uh, uh, about this, 
You know, there was actually a time during here that Laodicea, they experienced a, a great and massive earthquake, but they wouldn't take any money from the emperor. They said, we can, we can handle this ourselves. We've, I mean, this was a rich city. They said, we, we can build this back up. We can handle this with our own money. They were self-sufficient. Now, that within itself, there's, there's nothing wrong with being self-sufficient, being wise with our money, investing in the right things. But when you start just trusting in those things, and that becomes who you're about, then you stop trusting in God, don't you? Then you trust in things that the tangible things that we can lay our hands on. And Jesus said, you're going after these things, but what I can offer is, is, is much greater than that. He can offer something that brings satisfaction. There's nothing in this world that can bring satisfaction either. How much money is enough? How much wealth is enough? Does anybody know? Is it $10? $10,000? $10, $10,000,000? How, how much is actually enough? Is, does there ever come to a point where we say, you know, that, that's actually enough? That, that's more than enough. I'm actually rich. When does a person actually become rich? Anybody know? What's... Trust money. Yeah, you, yeah you, you start trusting money. Is it, you know, I, there's a time I can remember that I all used to say, boy, if I could just make this much, boy, my life would just be perfect. Well, then I make that much. Then I think, well, if I could just make this much more, well, Maybe this much more. You know, where, where is there comes a point where we, where we say that we're actually truly, you know, content. Now, I think we can learn to be that way. But I think this congregation here started trusting in the things that are around because this was a very uh, wealthy city. And I'm sure there were very wealthy people within this congregation. But notice as he says here, he says, you have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So we, they're thinking even within their self, we don't need anything. Well, if we don't need anything, guess what that includes? God. Did they need God? Did they come to the point where they don't need God anymore? They're, they're self-sufficient. We're, we're doing this on our own. We've built this building. We've done these things. We've, we, we've uh, contributed this. We, we, we. I, I've done this. I don't need anything. I'm self-sufficient. But everything we have comes from God, doesn't it? That, that's, I think that's the point he's trying to make with them. There's nothing wrong with having things, but if that's where your trust is, that's why the Bible says the love of money, not money, it's the love of money. If that's where our trust is, and it's no longer in God, our dependence isn't on God, then as Jesus told some individuals, you know, Okay, if you don't need me, then there's no use me coming on. I'll go over here to these people who do need me. If you don't realize they are, that's where he gets into there's blind. There's those that can see but are blind and those that are blind that can see. We don't really see what the need is. But he goes on and tells them. He says, here's what you can do. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. And I thought this was interesting because there, there was a, a, a banking system and actually a gold system there uh, around Laodicea, and I'm sure they were familiar with this. And, and Jesus is telling them, well, buy it from me. What I can offer you is greater than what you have. Well, what I have is greater. You know, you, you're putting your trust in these things. You say, you, you say you're rich. You say you're, you're, you're self-sustaining. You say you have need of nothing. But I'm telling you, you think you're rich. I'm telling you you're poor. 
Now, he, he, he's not talking physically here. I'm sure these members are looking at him and saying, we don't need anything. I, I've got all the money I need. Well, he's not talking about that. What they truly need, they're not wanting because they think they have everything that they need. But he's telling them, okay, why don't you buy this from me? What he's telling them is, I can give you more wealth than you can imagine. I can give you something even greater than that. What comes from me is greater than, than what you have. Just like he told the woman at the well, the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. So what you truly need is actually me. Why don't you get the things that you need from me? Why don't you seek them out from me? And he goes on. He said, won't you have that that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. He's telling them, you think you have everything, but you're actually like you're, you're naked in front of everybody. The shame is, is all over you because you're not really having what you need. And I thought this was interesting about the white garments because what this area was known for was actually making a, 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 a very fine, glossy black wool that they made into garments that made them really something special to wear. So he's, he's really telling them, you think you're, the things that you need is coming from around you, but what you really become is just like everybody else. There's nothing peculiar about you. There's nothing distinction about you. And I think that's interesting how he talks about the white garments. I don't believe he's actually talking about, you know, okay, go out here and put on white garments and walk around the street. But I think he is telling them, you need to be different than everybody else. Don't become what everybody else is. Yeah, it's a rich city. Yeah, they're trusting in their wealth. Yeah, things are going good. But it's come into the congregation here to where you think that's all that you need. You're no different than anybody else. So what are you actually offering to those around you that's different than they already have? It's got to be something different, isn't it? I mean, how are, am I supposed to go out into the world and, and preach the gospel and tell them about Christ, tell them the good news, if what I'm showing them is nothing different than what they already have? Is there anything really appealing about that? I, I, I don't believe that there is. And he says again that the shame may not be revealed. He said, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. So he says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. He says, you think you're all this, but you're really blind. I think another interesting fact, you know what was in that, that town? A medical school. And you know what they were known for most? Was this, this powder that came from this certain rock that they would crush up and do that would make an eye salve that could actually uh, uh, help them if you had some eye trouble. They'd they put it on you and it would actually help. So he's telling them, you, you think you've got everything that you need there. You've got all the money, you've got the gold over here, you're, you're making all these garments, you, you've got this medical school, you, you, you're just so self-sufficient, you don't need anything. But he said, actually, all those things you need from me... <laughs> You think what you have is, is truly something, but it's all physical. It's these tangible things, these material things. And you think that makes you self-sufficient to where you don't need anything else. But he said, okay, you may be materially wealthy, but you're spiritually poor. You, you may have all the best things that there is to offer, but spiritually you're just naked. You don't have anything. Uh, you, you may think you're healthy and doing fine, but you can't see a lick. 
You're blind. You're wretched and you don't even realize it. Because the reason they're not thinking like that is because they're only thinking about the physical. They're not thinking about the spiritual. And that what Paul said? You know, you either walk carnally or you walk by the Spirit. You either walk by faith or you walk by sight. And if you walk by sight and, you, and you're thinking of the flesh, then this is all that you're going to have then. If, if this is it, then what do you truly have? And all this is going to be gone someday. Then what are you going to have? So as he goes through and, he, and, he, and he's telling them here, he's really going through a list. Uh, and I, I can imagine them thinking, I don't need gold. I've got, I've got what I need. I don't need clothes. I've got clothes. I don't need to, I salve. I can see. I, I can imagine them thinking that because they're still thinking, you know, physically. They're going through the motions. I, I'm sure people walk down the street and say, that's the greatest congregation. Look how great and wonderful and big it is and, and, and all the wonderful things about it. But he said, you're really nothing. You're nothing that you think you are. So let me ask you this. How do we get to that state? How do we get to the state to where either individually or even as a congregation to where we, we're blind to the fact of who we really are? We've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're something that we're not. Does it happen overnight? Happen over time? What causes us to get like that? Anybody? No? Yeah, losing our dependence on the Lord. You know, start thinking, you know, and I think we do that sometimes as Christians. I have to admit, I do, uh, you know, have some accomplishments and think, yeah, I did that. I, I, it, it's all me, you know. It, 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 it's all how, how uh, I, I was able to accomplish that. Well, how was I able to accomplish that? Lord gave me my talents. He gave me my ability. He gave me my opportunities. Did he get, you know, I, I can't separate myself from that, can I? I can't separate God and, and, and what I do. I, I can't forget where those things come from. And maybe that's what they thought. Maybe they thought they were doing so great materially because the Lord has blessed them so great. Maybe that's what they were walking around saying. I don't know. Maybe they were walking around saying, uh, we're this good because the Lord's done this. Maybe that's why he's giving them a little eye opener here and saying, no, <laughs> no you're, you're, you're poor and wretched and blind and miserable. You just don't realize it. But he says, here's what you can do. He says, the reason I'm telling you this, many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Um, look in Isaiah 55. Uh, notice what he says. Hold. Everyone who thirsts comes to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, and come to me here, and your soul, your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. And it's basically what Jesus is telling them to do. You, you, you think satisfaction is going to come from these things. But that's not truly what's going to bring you peace. That's not what's going to bring you contentment. That's not what's going to bring you satisfaction. What's going to do that is God. That's where it's going to come from. 
But just like this congregation here, they didn't realize that. Look in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27. Did I put them on there? I probably didn't. That probably one Relin walked up here and talked to me earlier. <laughs> we'll blame it on you, Relin, again. Uh, but he talks about putting on Christ. That's the garments that we do. If we put on Christ, that, that's the purity that we have. That's what's supposed to be shining anyway. That's what's supposed to be showing. That's what the book of Colossians talks about, is that we're supposed to be hidden in Christ. It's supposed to be Him that we see, not us. So when he talks about these garments and the things in which we can get for Him, that's what he's talking about. Uh, I may have John 9 on there, but we'll just skip that. Going down to Revelation 3, 20 and 22, if you don't mind. Yeah. Notice what he says now. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now, notice what he says. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If he's standing at the door and knock, where does that say he's at? He's outside. He's not inside. He's outside. And actually, if you go back and see the actual context of uh, uh, the original Greek, it's talking about him pounding. He's begging. He's pounding on the door. So the church that he bought, that he purchased with his blood, he said, in this instance, I'm standing outside knocking for you to let me in. So how, where does a church have to be? What position does they have to be in to where the Lord's on the outside? Knocking, wanting to come in. It's like a joke I heard one time, and you may have heard it too, I'm sure, uh, about a, a, a gentleman walked into the, the assembly's one night, he, he kind of looked different than everybody else, so everybody was really watching him. He comes up and sits close to the front while the preacher's up there preaching. He's like, amen, you preach it, brother. Amen, amen, just all the time, just amen, amen. Well, gentleman in the back, Cain, he come walking up and kept, you know, took him a while to get up there, and everybody's watching, wondering what he's going to say to him. He leans over to that man. He said, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? He said, well, I've got the Spirit of the Lord. He said, well, you didn't find it here. Shut up. Maybe that's how some congregations are. The Spirit of the Lord's not there. It says here he's standing outside and knocking. Can you imagine a letter being read to a congregation that he purchased with his blood? He, he died for that church. He purchased it. And he's saying, I'm outside knocking because I'm not in there with you. And you won't let me in. What were they doing that wouldn't let him in? Were they doing something horribly bad? Were they committing all of these sins to where he says, I can't be a part of that, I'm out here? He's saying, I'm wanting in, but you won't let me in. What were they doing? They didn't need him. That, that's what it was. They didn't need him. Or that's what they thought. But he's wanting to get in because he knows how much they need him. But he's outside knocking. And he's and won't let him in. And he tells him, you, you need to repent and be zealous. Be zealous for what? They may be zealous now. They may be zealous for, oh, the, we're, we're prospering as a congregation. We're, we're zealous in these things, but they're not zealous in the right things. He says, you're lukewarm. You're not benefiting anybody. You've got all of this wealth. You've got all of these, these things it, it almost makes you wonder if, you know, you see a lot of things today in, in different places in religion 
They come up with a lot of gimmicks and a lot of things saying, come here. Why? Come here because we've got this. You know, we, we've got playgrounds. We've got bands. We've got all. I mean, they list all of these things and all of these things are going on. And they think they're just some great thing. And they're drawing all of these crowds in. For what? Or drawing them in to what? They think that they have everything that they need. But where's actually the word of God? Where is that word that became flesh and dwelled among individuals and died on the cross and shed his blood for them? Is he outside knocking? We've got all that we need. Do we have all that we need? Are we trusting in the right things? Uh, but notice, he goes on. He says, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant, uh, I will grant to sit... Uh, to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says, I, I, I can make you a promise. If you overcome, if you do these things, there's a place for you. There, there's, a, there's a rightful place. Just as I have a rightful place, there's a rightful place for you. But you have to overcome to get there. And we have to realize it ourselves, but not only realize it ourselves, we have to be able to be effective to tell that to the world. What is it that we are telling the world, or we, more importantly, what are we showing the world? Let's just make it personal to it. Come to Center Grove because why? What do we have to offer? What are we, what are we trying to be effective? What are we trying to draw people to? What are we trying to accomplish? See, that's what every congregation and even every individual has to ask ourselves, don't we? How, am I effective? What is my purpose in this? You know, we, we can look at this at any aspect of our lives. If we're just lukewarm and uh, trusting in the wrong things in our, our jobs, what's going to happen? If we're not effective in our job, what can happen? We're gone. What if we're not effective in our relationships? We lose friends. What if we're not effective in our marriage? We can lose our marriage. We have to put forth the effort. We have to trust in the right things. We have to make sure that effort is, is effective, that we're trusting and doing the right things. Not just think, I've got everything I need. I don't need you. Yeah, uh, I, I can think. I can think back now of several instances that's happened throughout uh, uh, with my family and some things. I, I can remember thinking at different times, 
Well, you know, finally we're getting to this point, and boy, this, I'm going to be able to do this, I'm going to do this, and boy, look what I've accomplished to get us to here and all that, and then something happens, and I'm like, man, I thought, I thought you're just getting a step up sometimes, and my wife and I talk about it, and I said, well, it's just God keeping me humble. <laughs> you know, he, he knows I got a little bit too full of myself. I, I need to be humbled down here. And, and that happens. I, I think we get into a situation to where we start trusting in just ourselves. Now, we, we need to be proud of our accomplishments. Uh, we, we, we need to be proud of even our congregations, everything that we've accomplished here at Center Grove, everything that we're doing. But it takes each person as an individual to be effective within that congregation to do that. And, and to be effective, we've got to make sure we're trusting in the right things. Make sure it's not just about, oh, look what we've done. You know, oh, look at how great we are. We've we got all these things. Boy, it's just, it's great now. Um, and I think that is what comes down to is, is some of the attitudes in which we have. And that's why I wanted to do this one tonight because I think it ties in with the church of Ephesus that lost its first love, that had to go back to its first works. Okay, there was this great congregation. Well, what happened along the way? You got church at Laodicea, they're in a great location, they're in a thriving location. There's a lot that's going on. They could be very effective, but yet they 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 bought into just being like everybody else. I don't think there was any anything distinctive about them. I think they were just I really think Jesus would tell them it's just like the water that you have brought in there. You're just like it. You're lukewarm, make people sick. Because you're not effective. You're not hot. You're not cold. You, 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 you're not doing anything to... You're not bringing anything to the table. You're not anything that anybody needs or wants. And he said, you make me sick. And as he goes through and tells them these things, I think that, that, that had to hit them pretty hard. I would think it would me. Uh, any final thoughts or comments about this? Or any other perspective on it? You know, I, I have to admit, I've changed my perspective just a little bit. I've always read it and thinking, well, he's telling them to be hot for God, but he's also telling them, if you're not hot for God, at least be cold so people know where you stand that you don't stand for God at all. Don't look like it. Don't be a hypocrite about it. But I, I'm starting to think he may be telling them, you know, be effective because you're not effective now. Be hot or cold and, and, and bring something. Be, be effective and, and you're not. You're just lukewarm. Nobody wants anything lukewarm. It doesn't profit anything. It doesn't come to anything. Any thoughts? Comments? Did I get done on time tonight? Three One minutes? Wow. That we never reach what we need to. We've got to keep climbing. Yeah. I think that's how Paul said he, he you know he doesn't look back. He count all he counts all those things for loss and he always presses forward. You know, presses forward toward the goal. Our ultimate goal is heaven. Until we reach that, we, we can't ever stop. We, we, we can always make sure we're, we're moving forward. But we need to make sure that, that God's with us in the things that we do. You know, maybe we just need to stop and ask ourselves sometimes, okay, is he outside knocking or is he in here with us? And I think the way we answer that question is to ask ourselves, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Do I recognize my dependence upon God? Am I doing it to, for His benefit to bring people to Him or to bring people to me? And I think when we start wanting to bring people to me, 
then I think that's where the issue becomes. You know, we're, we're some, and I've had individuals tell me before, at, 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 uh, I was talking to, used to go to some preacher luncheons, and I tell you, you sit back and listen sometimes, you learn a lot. Preachers talk a lot, a whole lot. Uh, I do too, but I, I try to be quiet sometimes and learn a little something. But I was listening to, to some before, and they talk about some congregations and talk about how wonderful their congregation is, and they base that, that perception on the fact, oh, we got a lot of rich people in our congregation. Boy, we, do, we, we got a lot of things. Our bank account is just, and I, that's actually things that I've heard. And, I'm, and I, you know, it's always made me wonder, well, what do you do with that? You know, does that, why does that make a difference? You know, yeah, you, you may be able to do more things, but are you doing it for the right reason? That shouldn't be the selling point when we're trying to bring somebody to a congregation is, look at all the money we have. You know, look at all the things that we've got. Look at all the gimmicks that we have. Look at all the, you know, we've got all of these things. But Christ is standing on the outside. I think that kind of takes the appeal away from it, or it should. Any other thoughts? Okay.